Man, what a great time. Hey, uh, by the way, my name is Mark. If we have not yet met, welcome you guys to the Bridge Church. Uh, Welcome to those of you that are joining us online. If you would take a moment, uh, let us know where you're watching from. Our team would love to interact uh, with you and get to know you a little bit. And uh, as you can see, guys, um, we've got a little bit of a construction project going on. And so I just want to say, first of all, um, you know, every week the dynamics of the room change acoustically. And I think we need to give thanks and appreciation to our tech team for their hard work. And, and, and you know, it's a, it's a moving target and it's a very dynamic environment. So they're constantly making adjustments and uh, we're so grateful for all their hard work. Also, just wanna say thank you, our reno crew. Guys, you have to understand, when this service is done, all the chairs go out of here, all of the band equipment goes out of here, all the computer equipment goes out of here every single week, and the reno crew comes in on Saturday and resets everything. We do that so the dust doesn't get in the chairs that you're sitting in or at any of the equipment that we use. And so can we thank the reno crew for their hard work? That's what they do. Man, you guys are awesome. And you know, those that are watching online, you, you don't know this, but the back of this place is completely uh, enclosed behind uh, plastic drapes and, and things because of all the construction. Essentially what's happening, guys, is, is our seating capacity is gonna move from about 550 max to closer to 900, and we should be done right before Easter. And, and you know, yeah, you can thank God for you know, the opportunity to do that. And, and you know, you look at that and you're like, progress always feels good, right? Progress, that always looks good. And, and, you know, sometimes it feels like success, but we can be kind of superficial about how we define success that way. And so you want to be, you know, careful about how uh, sometimes we define uh, success, success in life, how we look at that. I mean, you could have, I mean, we, we're seeing some success happening. So, you know, we can thank God that the Green Bay Packers are dominating the NFL. Can we, right? And, and um, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. And, um, but today, uh, Tom Brady and Drew Brees are playing against each other, right? We, long-term Super Bowl champions. And we go, now that's success. Look at how long they've been playing. Look at how, how long that they've had this kind of leadership uh, in the NFL, and it's easy to reduce success to that. You know, we do that so superficially. We look at two people who are in the same business, maybe they have the same title, maybe their pay is the same, and they're at this executive level, and it's easy to look at people like that and go, wow, there is success. That is a successful person, and, and it may or it may not be. You could take two people in the same position, the same power, the same salary, all of that stuff. And for one of them, maybe it is success. Maybe they've always dreamed of living at this kind of a capacity to lead other people. Maybe they've always dreamed about how to make a difference through their work. And and, and that person, we could certainly say that that certainly looks like success. But the other person that's doing the same thing with the same title and the same salary, they may be doing it because they are so desperately trying to gain validation because they never got it growing up. And that what actually drives them is very unhealthy and very toxic, but everybody looks and goes, look at, they're successful. 
And you know, how we define success is really, really important because I believe that, that inside of every man and woman and child, God actually has put within you a voice to be able to know what success is, but not everybody hears it, and very few people respond to it. You know, my son, uh, Taylor, he was at the University of Central Florida, and back about six years ago, uh, he was uh, in the program, I think it was six years ago, he, was, he texted me, and, uh, and he said, hey, Dad, pray for me. Now, normally, when my son Taylor would say that, it means he's got an exam that day, and he's, or he's got a presentation to make, or something like that. And I said, oh, do you have a test today? And he said, no, panic attacks. Now, if you know my son Taylor, I'll tell you, he is the most chill person in the world. Now, any student is experiencing panic attacks, that's serious. But with Taylor, Mr. Chill, experiencing panic attacks, that was a really big deal. So I called the office. I cleared my schedule. I told Taylor, I said, I'm going to come out to Orlando, and we're going to meet. And, and we met together for lunch. And I'm like, what's going on? And he looked at me, and he said, well, he said, Yesterday, in one of my engineering classes, the professor assigned us a problem to solve in class, and you did it with the partner, and I was working with this partner, and, and we solved the problem. He said it wasn't hard, but what happened was my partner said something that I realized I've been thinking, and I said, well, what was it? And he said, we got done with the, with the problem, and my partner said, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. And it was a moment when, when he heard what was already living in him, but when somebody spoke it out, he realized, oh my goodness, this voice, this same thing is living inside of me, and it created a moment of panic. He was in his fourth year of college. Now, he went in as a physics major, and then, he, and then I said, you know, I don't think you like all the theory as much as when I walked through his bedroom, I could see all the things he made. I said, maybe mechanical engineering would be good for you because you like to make stuff. And I said, well, if you're not doing engineering, what do you want to do? He said, Dad, when I'm not doing homework for my engineering classes, I'm making art. I'm creating. And he said, when I meet missionaries at church, I ask him, do you have a logo? They go, no, he said, I want to make you a logo. He's like, it's life-giving life for me to create art. And, you know, I'm thinking about that for a moment, four years of college, and <laughs> thankfully God kind of went like that on my mouth. And I said, you know what? If you love God and you do what you love, that sounds like success to me. And, and, and here's the, that moment when, when somebody spoke something and he became aware that there was a voice inside of him calling him, calling him to do something different, calling him to pursue a different direction with his life. That same voice is in every single man, woman, and child, but not everybody's listening to it. The Apostle Paul, he helps to redefine success for us in a way that we can understand it. And here's what I can tell you, that there is within you a voice and a message that God has been speaking, but some of you haven't been listening to it. And today, when you hear what Paul said, you're gonna hear something that's been going on in the back of your mind, some of you, for years. 
that you quit listening to, that God is saying, this is for you. And so Paul, in a, in a context that we're going to look at, he's, he's in jail when he is writing. He's in a dungeon. And he's writing to the believers in, in an area called Philippi. And while he's in jail, some of the believers are going, great, this is now my time for uh, my platform to rise up. Paul, he's in jail. He's in a dungeon. I'm out here. I get to preach. People will follow me. This is working out great for me. And it was in that context where people began to look at, here's what success looks like. I'm going to get more people. And man, I'm going to be the hottest ticket now that Paul is in jail. And, and the letter that he wrote to the Philippians, by the way, most of the New Testament that you read, those are letters. A lot of those are letters. And Paul writes a letter, and it's a call to a humility, and it's a call to redefine what success looks like. And here's what I can tell you is that, is that in your life, and in my life, we can't move forward using old programs. And for what success is going to be for you, you can't operate the way you've always operated. And the Apostle Paul does this incredible thing of redefining for us what success is and getting us in tune with a voice that some of us have lost track of. That voice that is always speaking, but we're not always listening. And so he tells the, the, the people there in Philippi through his letter, he's like, hey, you guys want to talk about what success looks like? You want to compare achievements? Well, check it out. I know that I'm in jail, but look at the life that I have lived. I came from the right tribe. Man, I know how to do faith. I was climbing the ladder of success. I had the influence. I know how power flows. I knew how to leverage it. I was the rising star. You want to know what it looks like? Check it out. I had everything going for me that everybody went, that's what success looks like. Open up the dictionary, look up the word success. The Apostle Paul says, my picture is next to it. But then he writes this. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 8. He goes, none of that mattered. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. I no longer, no longer count on that. I don't count on my character providing me a good standing with God. I don't count on that anymore. I don't count on my religious performance somehow being what gives me access to God. He said, rather I become righteous through faith in Christ. It's not about what I did. It's about what he did for me. He died on the cross, paid for my sin, invited me into a relationship with him. He said, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith, trust in him. And then he says this statement, which becomes a defining moment for him and a defining moment for those who can hear the voice living inside of them. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him 
sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now, you may look at that and go, I don't relate to that at all. How many of you go, I would love to suffer a little bit? But what he's doing is, is he's redefining something. And he's revealing something to us. There are several words that jump out of what he said that you need to pay close attention to. One of those words is the word garbage. The word garbage. In, in Greek, the word is skubalon. And it's actually to call it garbage when he says, all my achievements, all of my, my standing, all of my, all of my influence, everything that I leveraged, all of the success that I had, it's garbage. That's actually a mild word for what that word really means. So any of you dog owners, dog owners, dog lovers, dog owners, we won't talk about cats. We'll talk about dogs, okay? Cat owners like, I can't believe you did that again. Dog owners, so you guys let the dogs out in your yard, right? Let your dogs out. When you, when you let your dog out in the yard, one of the things that you do is when you walk out in the yard, you make sure that you don't step in the scuba line. Now you understand what he was saying. You see, when he called it garbage, he wasn't just saying it should get thrown away. He's like, it's detestable. And understand this. He said, you have to understand that every area where I felt competence, confidence, because I mastered it, every area that I have mastery, I now consider it as detestable because it gets in the way of me experiencing God. And this, by the way, is a message for all of us, that the area that you think is your area of absolute confidence, you're like, I don't need God to do this one, I got this, is an area where you're not experiencing what God could do in that. And he says, I consider it something to get rid of compared to knowing God, to knowing Christ. And so the word garbage is the way he looks at what everybody else would define as success. And the other word that you need to see in there is the word knowing. And he talks about knowing Christ. I want to know Christ. You know, you sit there and you go, well, Paul, you already know Christ. I mean, you're preaching him. Everywhere you go, you preach, you tell people about him. Everywhere you go, it's Jesus, 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 Jesus died for you, Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you. Everywhere you go, you know all about Jesus. What in the world are you talking about? You already know him. Here's the deal. The word know there is not the way that you and I think of it. Knowing something is, that he uses is not knowing information. It's not I checked off the right doctrines. Doctrine's important but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about knowing the information, knowing the facts, knowing the message. He goes, I'm not talking about that. For Paul, knowing means one thing. I wanna experience God. And the, and, the, and the thing that lives inside of him, what the voice inside of him is calling out and what the same voice is calling out inside of you is this. It is not enough, Paul is saying. It isn't enough for me to preach. It isn't enough for me to teach. It isn't enough for me to watch God change lives. What I need is I need to experience God. And I wanna know him that way. I don't wanna just know about him because I can't impart something that I myself am not entering into myself. And he's saying this is success. 
It's not my status. It's not being an apostle. It's not all these amazing things that are happening. Success is that I want to know and experience God. I want to experience Jesus for who he is. And I want people to see that. And I want people to see him. And so he says, I want to know him, which is kind of weird, quite honestly. Because what it's cost Paul to know Jesus has been pretty rough. He hasn't had a lot of good days. Matter of fact, he's in prison when he's writing the letter. You go, why would you want to know a God better? Wouldn't you rather say, I think I know enough. I'm done. And see, this is the problem. When you and I try to interpret who God is by the pleasure or pain of our circumstances, you'll always walk in weakness. But there's a strength that Paul is leaning into that transcends all of that. I mean, Paul, in his letter to uh, the Corinthians, I'm not going to put this up there. I just want you to hear this. Paul describes, as, as people are boasting in, hey, I'm a super apostle, man, follow me. And Paul's like, you want to brag about, you know, your qualifications? Following Jesus, here are my qualifications. He talks about this, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, five different times, Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. They whipped me 39 times because 40 was too much. But 30 was okay. 39 was okay. And these whippings were done publicly to humiliate him. He goes, three times I was beaten with rods. He goes, once I was stoned, not the but the throwing rocks thing, just to clarify for you guys. He says, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers and from robbers and from people. I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers. They say they're brothers, but they're really not. He said, I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food often. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And for some people, they'd say, I'm tapping out. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul says, I want to know him. Because there is a power that transcends all of these things. In this fallen, broken world, there is a strength and a power that I have seen in Jesus. And Paul says, it is not enough for me to know about him or to just tell people about him. It's not enough for me to just teach people about him. It is not enough. I want to experience him. I want to walk with him. I want to love the way he loved. I mean, how in the world does somebody love people that hate him and give his life away so that they would know how much he loves them? Who loves like that? I want to know what that's like. I want to walk in that kind of power where bitterness is no longer holding my heart and where life is not being shrunk down to whatever pain I have in this life. He says, I want to know him. I want to walk with him. I want to experience that. And I know that if I'm ever going to love like him, that I've got to be willing to suffer like him. Because it's only through suffering 
and a willingness to embrace that will I discover a capacity to love that goes beyond my own human capacity. It's the only way. And he says, this is what success looks like. It's to know Christ and to love with that kind of love. He says, it's not enough for me to be an apostle. I want to know what it is like to love that way. And I want to know what it is like to live with a boldness and a courage to love in a way that that grows from knowing that I'm living a life that is indestructible, that nobody can ever take away because I'm freely giving it. I want to walk in that kind of boldness, that kind of courage, that kind of love, and I'm going to do that by walking with him. It's not enough for me to know information. I want to experience him because I can't lead people where I'm not willing to go myself. And the thing that has gone on inside of you, I can tell you this. For some of you, you've gone to church your whole life. And you heard about Jesus, you heard about Jesus, you heard about Jesus, you heard about Jesus. But there is a voice that has been going on in the background that says, this isn't enough for me. I don't want to just go to church. I don't want to just show up. I want to know him. I don't want to just know about him. I don't want to just get everybody's secondhand story. I want to experience the power of God in my own life. I want to experience the power of God for myself. And I'm telling you right now, that voice God put inside of you. And now he's calling you. And now he's calling you to life. And he's drawing you into a place where you no longer are willing to settle for what everybody would look like and go, hey, you're successful. That's good job. When you finally hear the voice that says, it's not enough for me to sit, consume. It's not enough for me to just believe here. It's, it's not enough. I've got to know him because I want to love the way he loved. I want to love beyond my own capacity. And, and, and Paul says this, I want, to, I want to live in a way that I'm walking with that power of an indestructible life, knowing that one day, everything that I've given my life to to help people get a glimpse of who he is and how much he loves them, that one day I'm going to close my eyes in this world and I'm going to open them and I'm going to be there with him. And I'm going to see face to face the beauty of this one who has loved us like no other. And I'm going to look around and I'm going to see the reality of what he has created that which we talked about, that's what we looked forward to. And I want to experience the power of that moment. It is not enough for me for that to be theoretical or that to be a doctrine or that to be something that I just check off and say, oh, yeah. Paul says, no. I want to live my life now in a way that I'm looking forward to that, to be able to close my eyes in this world and to wake up to what it is that God has wanted to create all along. And so in this life now, my role is to help people to see what heaven on earth looks like, what heaven looks like, what the love of God looks like, what that looks like when somebody has opened up their life and saying, this is the only way that I know what success looks like, to love the way he loved and to live the way he lived and to give my life away to the one thing that will last forever. That's what success is. 
And for some of you as believers, there has been that nagging that's been going on. And for those of you that don't yet know Jesus, don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, let me tell you how this has been living inside of you. What's been happening inside of you is you have success, you have areas where you go, I'm competent, you get maybe awards, maybe achievements, maybe a raise, maybe a new title, and what you discover is it doesn't fulfill you. Because you weren't made for that. Because life was never meant to come from those things that everybody else calls success. But life is only meant to come through knowing God, not about Jesus, but knowing him, experiencing him in life. For those of you that are, are believers, for some of you, you've experienced God as a healer in your marriage, a healer in your relationships. Some of you have experienced what it is to have God reveal himself as a provider in your finances, and you've just seen how God works in your life through generosity and budgeting and all these things. And some of you have seen God be the one who breaks the addictions and the cycles that have been handed down from generation to generation to generation, and you've experienced him that way, but you've kept it all to yourself. And Paul says, I want to know him. And the reason Paul wants to know Christ that way is because he can't lead people to Christ if he's not willing to go there himself. And here's what I'm telling you. Believers, if you've experienced God doing something in your life, you know by experience what other people only know by theory, and we need you to impart what you've experienced. For some of you, that means I'm going to lead a small group. I'm actually going to take a step of pouring what I know into the lives of other people because I want people to experience what I've experienced. For those that, that, that are hearing this, I'm telling you, what, you know, it's easy to kind of look at work and go, oh, but I've got my career set, and oh, I've got my whole future ahead of me, and you think that you've got all of this competence and all of these plans, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you those things will become a stench in your nostrils when compared to experiencing God. Think about this. What would it look like at your work? What would it look like at your school? What would it look like in your relationships if you said, it's not enough for me to just believe and to do life the way I do it? What would it look like to walk into work, to walk into school, to step into your relationships and go, I want to love the way Christ loves. I want to I love with a capacity that goes beyond my human capacity, and I want to give my life to a reality that's greater than the reality that I'm living in. That I want people to experience the love of God through me. I want them to get a glimpse. I want them to get a taste of it. What would it look like if at your work, that's how you began to do things? What would it do to your business? What would it do to your relationships? What would it do in your life? What would your school look like if you just began to love with the love of Jesus Christ and said, I don't care if they hate me, if they reject me. There's a love that lives in me that is greater than any human acceptance or approval. It is the love of my Savior. He was willing to die in order to prove his love to each one of us. What would your school look like? What would your marriage look like? And rather than allow yourself to settle into a place where your marriage starts to grow cold, 
what would it look like if you began to hear the voice that said, it's not enough for us to do marriage like this. It is not enough for us to have a family like this. It is not enough for me to do relationships like this. I want to experience Christ working, living in me, expressing himself. I want to suffer because it's through suffering that I will know how to love beyond my own human capacity. There is a voice inside of you that God has been calling out to. But not everybody listens to it. And not everybody heeds it. But you can. And there's that place, guys, where if you're a follower of Christ, don't settle for what you think you know. You gotta know him. Experience him. Carry the presence of God in every place you go and into every relationship that you have. And don't worry about what everybody else is doing or how they define success at work or at school. Don't worry about it. You'll know Christ and you'll experience him living in you, transforming lives around you. For that person that, that has been stuck Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus because you're like, look at all the pain in my life. Why would I want to give my life to God when all these things have happened? I'm telling you, if you stay there, you'll be weak the rest of your life. This is a broken world, people. And there's a way of transcending all that you've been through where God will take that and use it to bring hope to other people just like he did with the Apostle Paul. There's a place of healing and a journey that God has for you. There's meaning and purpose in what he's called you to. But you don't get there depending on yourself. You get there by faith in Christ. and That's the only way. So I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes if you would. The voice that has been waking within you was put in there a long, long time ago. buried beneath layers of the world and pain and sometimes success is a reality into which God invites each one of us to know him beyond information and theory and to experience him yourself, his power, his forgiveness, and what it is to live a life that is invincible and indestructible. For some of you, you've never taken that step of trust. Today is the day you stop defining God or interpreting who God is by the pain that you've experienced. And you join him in the space where you discover a strength and a courage that you never dreamed of, a peace, an invincibility, and a healing. 
So with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I'm gonna ask you, who's ready to go with him? Who's ready to give their lives to Jesus? Who's ready to say, God, I wanna know you that way. I don't want religion. I want that relationship. I don't wanna just know about you. I want to know you. I wanna experience you. I wanna give you my life. And I wanna begin to live the life I was created for. If you've never taken a step of faith in giving him your life, right where you are, you just raise your hand. Watching at home, you just raise your hand. Guys, okay, all right? Don't be afraid. Guys, there's a voice. and He's calling you to life. And so right where you are, I'm gonna ask everybody to pray with me out loud so that those that are taking this step of surrender don't hear their voice kind of hanging out there by itself. We wanna, we wanna say this together. So say with me, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you love me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you want me in a relationship. So I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to come into my life I wanna know you, I wanna walk with you, I wanna experience you, and I'm yours. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us today. And if our ministry has been a source of encouragement for you, let me encourage you to do two things. Number one, share it with a friend who needs hope. That would make a big difference in their life. Secondly, share it with us. We would love to hear your story. You can send us an email at amen at bridgechurchfl.com. And finally, if you'd like to partner with us financially as we bring hope both locally and around the world, you can do that directly through our website, bridgechurchfl.com forward slash give. And thank you for letting us be a part of your spiritual journey.